Special shout out to all our patrons who support the show every week. Head on over to patreon.com slash runeatdrinkpodcast and subscribe today for bonus content, special shout outs on social media, and so much more. Patrons, you help keep the Run, Eat, Drink podcast going, and we couldn't do it without you. Not a patron yet? Join us today at patreon.com slash runeatdrinkpodcast. You can also support the show by using our brand new Amazon affiliate link anytime you shop on Amazon.com for things like running gear, food, beverages, or anything else the little gray trucks might bring your way. Just go to runeatdrink.net slash Amazon anytime you shop. It costs nothing extra, and it helps us keep the lights on and the bandwidth flowing. Go to runeatdrink.net slash Amazon, and we thank you for your support. Hello, everyone. This is Dave McGilvery, and you're listening to the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. Welcome to the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We feature destination races from across the country. And after the race, we take you on a tour of the best local food and beverage to celebrate. So whether you are an elite runner or a back of the packer like us, You'll know the best places to accomplish, explore, and indulge on your next runcation. Hey, welcome to episode 220 of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. I'm your host, Amy. And I'm your co-host, Dana. Very excited about this episode. I am too. You know, we are not a an exclusively interview show we do sprinkle the occasional interview in from time to time and this is one of those weeks and you amy have managed to get somebody on the show who i think is absolutely fantastic and i'm confident that everybody out there in the runcation nation is going to be super excited about our guest this week i think it's a very inspiring interview Oh, without a doubt. You're talking about a person who is intimately tied in to the events surrounding the Boston bombing. In 2013, the Boston Marathon bombing. Yeah. Most importantly, the recovery and comeback from that and showing personal strength and resilience and serving as an inspiration to millions of people out there. So true. So true. Adrian Hazlitt is talking with us on the show this week. And we're talking about somebody who has really made a mark in the running community and becoming an advocate for para athletes in the sport and who is an amazing public speaker who has an incredible story to tell. And we were able to spend a good amount of time with her recently. And we are so excited to bring you a run segment, eat segment, and drink segment. She was just so great with all of that. She was. And she was so much fun to talk to. So easy to talk to. A Sunday morning chat over coffee. It quite literally was. As we were recording this, we were all sipping our coffee. Yeah. <laughs> it was. We were trading stories about mugs, coffee mugs, and 
just, it felt like we were just chatting with a friend. It really did. And I'm thrilled that we're going to be able to bring that to all of you. This is going to be a two-parter. Because she was so generous with her time and because I didn't really want to rush the whole buildup to the 2022 Boston Marathon that she ran with Shalane Flanagan. Kind of a big deal. And the experience of the day itself, I think the lessons, the tips, the tricks, the stories that she had to share from the training cycle, as well as the Boston Marathon weekend and Patriots Day on Monday, you just can't shortchange that and I didn't want to and she was just so gracious and so giving and generous with her time with yeah with the amount of time she spent with us on that Sunday that we talked with her I just didn't the Runcation Nation needs to hear all of that absolutely absolutely so we're going to have three great segments with our brand new friend of the show, Adrian Haslett, and it's mm-hmm. coming right up. But first, we have some shout outs to do. Oh, we have one, one in particular for a race. But I just want to say to everybody in the Runcation Nation, this is some of the hottest weather we've experienced across the country. Yes, record heat really everywhere. And there are so just many about. of our friends from the Extra Mile podcast group, from the Be Our Guest podcast lizards group from our own Runcation Nation who are right in the heart of their buildup to fall races like Bird in Hand, like the Clearwater Half, like Wine and Dine. People who are just getting ramped up for their dopey training in January, for the Donna in February, for Gasparilla. People who might be a little bit behind in their training runs like yours truly. You're not that behind. You're just one run behind. That's I know. It. That's it. It feels like more in this heat, though. Nobody should beat themselves up for having to rearrange because of work schedules and family. Weather. And weather. And those are things that happen in life. And our coach, and he knows, Jeff Galloway, sometimes you have to rearrange things, but you get them done. Yes. And you will. But I just wanted to say to everybody who is listening to the show, who is part of the Runcation Nation, we feel you. We support you in these. We are out there with you. I was out there today in, I don't know, feels like almost 90 degrees by the end of it. And that was an early morning run. Yeah. So we hear it. We applaud and shout out your dedication, my friends. Absolutely. And we have a specific shout out to do to Emily, who is on Team Runcation Nation for the Donna Marathon Weekend. Outstanding. And who has been our one of our, actually the biggest fundraiser on our team to date. Ooh. Yeah. So everybody out there in the Runcation Nation that's donated to help Emily and help us raise money for the Donna Foundation. Shout out to you and shout out to Emily. 
in particular this past weekend, she completed the Cedar Breaks Night Half Marathon. And I think I have that right from her post. It, I just think it's cool to do a half at night. I love nighttime races. Now, uh, for a lot of especially different this reasons, especially well, right, especially this time Sorry, of year. Just- but you can also get some just really cool courses that are the character of the course is completely different. I think it is at night, yeah, than it is during the daytime. I just love that, and yeah, I don't know. I maybe, maybe I'm just a I'm just a, a nighttime runner, like I'm a cold weather runner. Yeah. Even though yeah, very much so. well, you we know, reside in one of the hottest states on the planet. Well, right? you know, and in America, when in- we started running, I was still working nights and I would, in my off days, I didn't flip flop my schedule back to a day walker schedule. So I, I would very often do my training runs on my quote unquote days off at two three in the morning, knock them out in the middle of my quote unquote day. And it worked out really nicely. Now there's always a trade-off and where we live, the trade-off is, yeah, the sun's gone down, but the mosquitoes have come out. Oh yeah. So you You still have to prepare for certain things. And where we live, even at night, you don't have this, the heat of the sun, but you do have the humidity and that humidity can make your feels like temperature even at night be in upper 80s, 80s. very often for us. Sure. So it was better, but it wasn't perfect. Emily O'Keefe uh, at EcoFit13 on Instagram. Her handle, if you want to go and see some of her pictures and the medal and, the, uh, and give her a shout out of your own on social. She's the one who got Utah in the books and completed this half marathon. Yeah. And the photos, this is a race put on by Vacation Races. Yeah. We've done one of theirs up in Gatlinburg, just for the Great Smoky Mountains. Smokies, yeah. They do races in some amazingly beautiful areas, and this one is no exception. It's just gorgeous, the photos that they have up on the website, pictures Mm -hmm. I've seen around social media. I think there's a lot to offer there, and not a sponsor of the show. No? Just one of those race organizers that puts on a lot of events around the country yes in very picturesque locations mm-hmm. so if Beautiful. that is something that you're interested in doing you may want to check them out but uh, yeah this one looked gorgeous yeah so congratulations to emily for getting another stain in the books there and completing another half marathon especially at this time of year yeah if you would like a shout out we would like to give you one do us a yeah. favor, send it to us. You can email us at info at runeatdrink.net. That's info at runeatdrink.net. You can send us a message and tell us who the shout out's for, what that person did to warrant the shout out. Be as detailed as you possibly can. That's mm-hmm. one way to do it. Of course, this is an audio medium, and that <laughs> means we prefer things that people can hear. So, you could also email us a sound file, maybe record it on your phone or your computer, email it to us. Or you could call us and leave us a voicemail at 941-677-2733. That's 941-677-2733. Just want to send one more well wish, not really a shout out. I guess it could be considered a shout out to Meg, Main Street Miles Meg on Instagram. We 
are sending you all the positive vibes for a safe and healthy healing process after your surgery. And we applaud you for making plans as we head into the fall race season to show up and and cheer some people on once you are mobile once again again, and starting your recovery and physical therapy. Exactly. We also applaud you for doing what your doctor says and mm-hmm. staying off that foot. Which is so hard to do. I know what it's like. I know what the Runcation Nation is like. And runners, they, they don't like being told no. No. The doctor says no running, they hear. So you mean I just do a, a nice and easy three-miler, right? Right. Just yeah. nice and easy. Six, seven, ten <laughs> miles, something. <laughs> I don't know. And happy birthday to her husband, Brian. Oh, yeah, that's right. Today. Happy so I, and now I've tacked on as many shout outs as I have scoured social media for. Okay. So our one shout out is now like several. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's I, one shout out with multiple parts. And I even uh, applaud the members of the Runcation Nation who are still doing miles for Meg. That's true. And keeping that hashtag going. Love it. Love it. And applaud you very much. So, so let's talk running. More importantly, let's uh, talk running with a running luminary, uh, Adrienne Haslett. Yes. She was a ballroom dancer, and I imagine she's going to talk about a little bit about her history in the early part of our interview when we play that for you. I don't imagine it ever entered her mind that she would be a professional runner at this in 2022. I think based on our interview that that's a safe bet. She really lays it out there and talks about the fact that the Boston Marathon bombing really was a life-changing event for her mm-hmm. and her comeback is just mm-hmm. so incredibly inspiring and what she has done with that and turned that into such an such a positive yeah. thing and such a positive force for change. And I don't want to, I don't want to give the interview I know. away. I know. Uh, we want to do a big build up to her, but if you're not familiar with her, you're going to get familiar with her over the course of this episode. And we really encourage you to give us a listen and get to know Adrian Haslett. Um, one, of, I, I, one of our running heroes. She is. And I can remember back in April when I saw her post-race interview from Boston was I, she she ran with Shalane Flanagan and she completed the Boston Marathon and in this new division that now has prize money thanks to her people like her and Marco Cicetto being so vocal about bringing it and the importance of it needing to exist. I will never be able to qualify for the Boston Marathon, but it makes me very emotional, that race, because I think it brings so many people in the running community together. People who run for charity and work so hard to raise funds enough to qualify to be there. People who run, they... they their BQ, their Boston qualifying race and register people who have worked so hard to come back and overcome tragedy to thrive and inspire and cross that finish line, cross that start line and that finish line. So this interview means 
a great deal to me to talk to somebody as inspiring as Adrian Haslett. This week, we welcome 2022 Boston Marathon finisher Adrian Haslett to our show. Adrian, welcome and thank you for taking time from your super busy schedule to talk to us this week. Thank you so much, Amy and Dana. I'm so pumped to be here. I've just been looking forward to this conversation and I feel like I'm on a runcation with you right now. Runcations, they're very, for us in the morning on a runcation, it starts with coffee. Cheers to that. Yeah. Our coffees and our hands. The the people who are listening to the audio on a run won't see this, but I chose this mug. I think it makes a difference. The mug that you drink out of. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you feel that way. I feel that way deeply. And I released a new mug yesterday. I released some merchandise yesterday. And so you'd think that I would have that mug with me, but I am staying in a hotel right now. So I don't have it. I've got my Starbucks to go, but I love your strongest Strongest woman alive. alive. Yeah, Strongest woman alive. Yeah. Because I feel I like you are like so many that we have been fortunate enough and lucky enough to interview. You are a strong woman and you set an example for everybody in the running community. So thank you. That's so nice to hear. I appreciate hearing that. That's why I chose the mug. I love it. I just went with a classic diner mug. Speaking of diners and mugs, uh, it's in Salem, Massachusetts, and it's called the Ugly Mug. And they just have a ton of mugs that they've collected. The owners have collected over the years. It's independently owned, and it's awesome. And they have wicked good, wicked good, right? It's out in Boston. Yes, it's just awesome. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's probably a random mug that you get served when you order coffee. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. It's different every time. They're, they're chipped in like all the right ways. It's perfect. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's I love fantastic. it. Yeah. Okay. I've diverted us a little bit into like the eating and drinking portion already. Well, it's Sundays morning, right? So like, it's nice <laughs> to think about brunch and coffee. That's oh, it is. Yeah. And, and we love that. And we're going to get to that. Uh, yeah. But we've got to okay. actually talk about your story. There is so much. When we talk to people who have accomplished these big capstone races oh, yeah. you know, that are bucket list races for many people, every runner's got a story. And mm. your story is just so unique. And yes. just there's so much to tell. We can't wait to share that story. And that's yes. what we're going to do right here. But can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Kind of give them a little intro. Yeah. So my name is Adrian Haslett, and I am a professional ballroom dancer right out of high school, went pro and got to third in the world. And then I lost my lower left leg. So I lost my foot and half my calf in the Boston Marathon bombings. I was spectating. We can get into that. I was just spectating the race. Well, barely. I was walking by, actually. I wasn't even aware of a marathon. I was too busy wearing heels and being quote unquote, air quote, perfect. As a ballroom dancer, I wasn't a sweaty runner at the time. And that completely changed my life as it would. And I became after a longer story, another (laughs) later on in this podcast, I became a runner thanks to that running community in the Boston Strong Movement and ran my first Boston Marathon in 2016 and have been running ever since and loving it. I'm a dog mom to my service dog, Fred Astaire. It's probably my favorite title. 
And I do public speaking as my job career now. So I get to travel the globe and talk to corporations and colleges, new commencements and and nonprofits and help people get over their speed bump or Mount Everest by sharing my story and what I've had to learn and relearn along the way. So now I'm a competitive distance runner too. So it feels that's a little bit about me in a brief nutshell. Yeah, that's nice. That's the CV. Yeah. (laughs) The cliff notes version, right? I know I reached out to you probably at the height, the busiest you've ever been with training and things like that back in April. And I'm glad in a way that it took a few months because it's given, I think, hopefully it's given you time to process a little bit, the whole experience and get a little bit of distance and, you know, no running pun intended. But (laughs) But well executed. That was good. It's given you a little time to get perspective and distance and those memories that are the gonna be, I don't know, like the touchstones for the for your future running life now as a professional distance runner. What led you to want to run a marathon, let alone one of the toughest, the Boston marathon in the first place? Yeah, I'm to go back to your point, I'm Sorry that we didn't connect earlier, but I also agree that I've had some time to sit and process and and really think about that race and that yeah. month and that moment. I think what led me to, there are a few things that led me to running both directly and indirectly, consciously and subconsciously. I, I As I said earlier, I lost my lower left leg at the Boston Marathon bombings. I truly was so involved in dance and in a dance studio, 12, like 10, 8, 10, 12 hours a day. So I truly did not know about the Boston Marathon. I truly did not know any runner friends. If I did, I didn't, if I knew any runners that were in the dance studio, we didn't talk about running. I was too busy with spray tans and getting my nails done and having perfect eyelashes and competing and traveling and such. When the Boston Marathon happened and I lost my lower left leg, I was just, like I said, just walking by and a blast happened behind me. And I said, the next one's going to hit, the next one's going to hit. And I went down. I don't know how I knew there would be another one. I think you just knew that the worst was happening. And I lost my leg immediately there on that sidewalk. And I didn't even know what was happening and ended up obviously in the hospital. And Mm. after my Superman surgeon saved my, and some people on the sidewalk as well, saved my life. I, I started as everyone did started to hear about this big bot thing called Boston strong. And, and everyone heard about it. I would say it was just in Boston, but we all know that's not true. It was everywhere globally. And that was really started, of course, by the Red Sox, but also by the running community. And I wasn't watching the news because that was too much, but I was hearing about this Boston strong and this support system that was rallying and my family and my friends were telling me about it. And I just thought this is, this is going to pull me through. And maybe this running community is something I should learn about. And about four or five days after losing my leg, Anderson Cooper came into my hospital room to do an interview and we were talking and I was doped up on a gazillion pain meds as one would be after just losing their leg and his big blue eyes looking at me. And I was like, I'm going to, he said, do you think you'll dance again? And I said, yeah, I think I want to try. I would certainly want to try. And he said, well, if you do, will you teach me? And I was like, oh, hell yeah, of course. (laughs) And I'm not going to pass up on that opportunity. And that felt really good to me to be able to say a goal out loud just felt really good. And 
obviously after what had happened and how terrifying that was and still was, it felt good to have this tiny little light of something that could feel good. And so I said, I think one day I'll run the Boston marathon too. And my dad was like in the background of the cameras, like waving his arms saying, don't do that. You don't even run. And like you used to forge notes in high school to get out of running the mile. And I was like, I didn't know you knew about that, but I did. And and Anderson said, you've told me you weren't even a runner. And I said, yeah, but I wasn't a ballroom dancer at one time in my life either. And then I was third in the world. So I think I might be able to do it. And I don't know what made me say that. I don't know where that came from still Mm. some kind of inkling of where it might've, but so I just, I said it out loud and it was on live television. So that is part of the accountability, right. Of running eventually. And yeah, I Put it learned out to the universe at that point. Uh-huh. Exactly. And I, I learned how difficult it is for blade for amputees to run with blades and how mm. difficult the access to those blades is and how limited, how limited the amount of amputees that actually get them because of insurance and cost and all of these ridiculous factors. And so all that is to say, that's a long answer for what made me run this Boston marathon. If it had happened at a 5k, I would be running a 5k, but it happened at a marathon. I just knew that after seeing the Boston strong movement and being embraced by the city, I can't even talk about it without sobbing, being embraced by the city in the way that I was and the whole survivor community was, I couldn't not fall in love with running. Uh, we had just, we started running in our thirties mm-hmm. and I was mid thirties. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I just remember. And then that was like 2010, 2011 And I can remember that event and all of us catching on to that Boston Strong movement. And we all flooded our social media with pictures in running shirts all together to show support Mm -hmm. for everyone that had been impacted by that. And then to come back to 2014 and see Meb Kofleski win there. And what a moment. Yeah. Right. I mean, what a moment that that, like, yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's, I think that event has had a profound impact on the running community and has really shown what the running community can do as far as supporting each other, even though we've never met. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I met Meb after my marathon here, my 2022 marathon and was able to really articulate. Well, I was fresh from my race. So I thought I was articulate. <laughs> who knows if I really was about that moment and how much of that meant. And, and I met Shalane right after that race in 2014 as well. And Ooh. Shalane Flanagan, and she had a killer race that day too. And it was just such a moment yeah. for American distance running and American runners in general. And this, what I call an the BAA, the Boston Athletic Association Mm -hmm. called this battle cry. Like we were coming back for the 2014 marathon with this battle cry that was like, we will not stand down and we're not scared of terrorists. And you would not, well, I don't think any of us were saying we weren't scared, but we will not let you win. And this battle cry of running and my brothers ran that year. They aren't runners either. And they decided to run. And I got to finish that last block with, I met them outside of where I lost my leg and it wasn't, I didn't lose my leg at the finish line. I was at the second blast, which was two or three blocks away. And, and so I met them and hobbled the last part of the race together and finished. And it was such a moving moment, but yeah, that I felt deeply in love with the running community at that point. I can't tell you. We, we watched the Boston marathon documentary from that year 
Mm-hmm. And it's just, it is, it's so moving and so yeah. emotional. I can't I'll watch imagine. it because I lived it. So I can't watch yeah. it that stuff, but I've heard that it's really, really moving for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's well done. And the, the stories that runners have, they're always oh. so varied and mm-hmm. moving in their own ways. And yeah. we always talk about that running community connection that mm-hmm. the most supportive people you'll never meet are your fellow runners around the world. And they'll, they'll flood social media, oh, they'll yeah. do, you know, fundraisers and you name it, whatever it is. And when it came to Boston for, us, we didn't have a particular connection to Boston other than that aspirational aspect of that's a race I'd love to be able to do someday. I don't think I'll ever be fast enough to qualify. And then I had a particular no. connection to it because I, I used to work counterterrorism mm-hmm. when oh, wow. I was on the Joint Terrorism Task Force. Yeah. And Thank you. And, thank you. And, thank you. Thank you for what you well, do. That seeing that to hear you say that as a survivor mm-hmm. is amazing, but to see that happen and then see the work that was done to come back from that, from the BAA and, and come back so quickly, mm-hmm. it was incredible. Yeah. And to me, that's one of the stories that um, sometimes gets lost is, is that that community yeah. and that organization could come back so fast from that and mm-hmm. get back to the, the, grandioseness of the event. I just, I think it's, it's amazing to, to show that that was not going to keep us down. And that battle cry that you talk about, I think is so important. Yeah. And to your point about so many stories, not yet told into your working in counterterrorism. I don't know how I was invited, but I somehow got invited into a lot of this rooms of the security measures that were being put in place for that year in 2014 with both the F, well, it's partly because I was working on the case, but as a witness for the trial, but they were working on the security measures that were going to be in place to put on this race again. And if any of us think about just the work that goes into putting on a marathon in five different cities, like it's not just Boston, it's Hopkinton, Ashland, it's everywhere. And so we run through all of them to put on a race in general, but to put on a race again after such threats and so much stuff that's there are so many stories that aren't told and so many things that went into making that day work and the amount of and then we can move on because I could go on about this forever but the amount <laughs> of work that went into making sure that Boston had mental health uh mm-hmm. resources on that day and leading up to it was astonishing like the work that they did both the fbi and police and baa the work that they did to make sure that we had places to go and rooms to escape to and Mm. quiet spaces all along the course at any moment was amazing it was incredible Mm. yeah yeah it's awesome shout out to them yes absolutely for sure i would say just to put a cap on that, you have been through that tough experience and you have faced challenges with just this mindset that is so moving and so positive in spite of it's never a linear progression to a goal like the Boston Maryland marathon finish line. It's, it's all, it's like peaks and valleys. And so for the runcation nation, I really want to ask it. 
how do you yourself maintain the courage, the dedication, the commitment to those goals through those tough valleys as you progress toward a goal like the 2022 Boston Marathon finish line? Yeah, it's not easy. I know that's cliche to say, but I never want like my good mood this morning to make it sound like it's always, always easy. Like you said, it's peaks and valleys. I really do credit this Boston Strong movement and support I have on social media. Like that there is, I've told my therapist, who I also credit probably more than anyone. I tell my therapist, like we have a lot to work on. I've been through a lot. We will never work on my addiction to Instagram. So that's not... (laughs) <laughs> that's not on the table. If you start to see it being, if you start to see it being unhealthy, then go for it. But that's not on the, we're not working on that. I'm not. And I say that because it sounds like I'm kidding, but I really do read every single supportive message. I read all the nonsense too, but all the supportive messages truly, truly get me out of bed and get me moving again. So that's a huge part of it. It's just, none of us do things alone, right? We Yes, we're the ones putting yeah. our feet on the floor or foot on the floor in the morning in my case, but we, but it's inspired by so many others. So if I can be that light for other people, that's, that's what matters to me. I think my therapist helps certainly having a third party that isn't sitting at the Thanksgiving table or like that I'm having coffee with or someone else to just go, this is really messed up. You wouldn't believe what yeah. this person said, or I'm having these crazy thoughts and I feel really uncomfortable with them and I don't know what to do. And so I think that's part of it. It's Mm -hmm. no joke that I have PTSD and all levels and you have to be able to talk about the scary thoughts with someone else. I think having that be normal air quote to have the thoughts and the feeling and the despair and the bad days and the staying in bed normalized by someone saying, yeah, you were blown up by a terrorist. Like, yeah, you're going to have really terrible days and you're going to have really terrible, you know, moments and and fireworks are going to always be hard and Mm. popped balloons are always going to be hard. And maybe concerts aren't your thing or all these things to be able to walk you through it is really helpful when you have that and the support of so many, I think it it certainly helps me. And Fred, I should have listed Fred first. Oh, of course. I think it's a given. Don't Don't tell him I listed him last. No, no. He's just, the, it's a part of your life. I think that it's, there are many resources and you just, the valleys to me make the peak when you cross the finish line or you make it through that goal and you, yeah. and everybody who has had a hand in helping mm-hmm. process and maintain that mental wellness. It's so, so important to hear that. Yeah. And I in think life, I think I'm a, I'm a big self celebrator. And I think those people who know me or follow me on social media will know that. And some people can see that as maybe if you don't know my story or you're not sure about it, or maybe we've been conditioned in life or by parents or adult figures that mm. maybe self celebrating is boasting or bragging or something, but I'm a big fan. Like you have to be your cheerleader. You have to be like, I freaking did that. Yes. Yeah. Like, I got out of bed, like, good job. That's, I remember driving down to, I stayed, even though I live here in Boston, I stayed at a hotel downtown and though two nights before the race and just mm-hmm. to be next to Shalane and we can get into that race weekend. But, and I was driving down and I was telling my boyfriend, I was like, I freaking did this. Like I trained, I'm as ready as I'll ever be. 
Like I asked Shalene to run with me. I'm so like, I did this. Yes. I got mm. a lot of help, but like, also there's nothing wrong with celebrating what you've been able to do for yourself. So I want to make sure that people know that no matter what we've been conditioned, especially as women, we can bring to ourselves and out loud. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you have to, it, it, you have to celebrate. It's your brain. It's your brain and your heart yeah. yep. that's running and with only you. Only you know how much it took. Like you yeah. can, I can tell the next person, I can tell my person, I can tell my best friend how much it took, but only you know, mm-hmm. like only you know how much you've had to overcome. And so when you have those tears, I'm going to cry. When you have those tears at the start line and the tears at the finish line, like it's because you know how hard it was to get there. Yeah. But, All the 5 a.m. workouts yeah. and the saying no to and the, because you have to go to bed early and get up for a long run or yep. Whatever it is, and overcome all the mental obstacles and all the self doubt and the so much how hard we are on each other. I mean, or ourselves, not each other, ourselves. Like it's so hard. It's so hard. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that being conditioned not to self celebrate. Yeah, that's a very big thing for people who are raised in the South. That that's that's huge. huge. And I didn't even think about it. Uh, It's it's doubly so for women. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big consideration I didn't even have. Yeah. When you yeah, mentioned that. I lived in San Antonio, Texas for 2 years and and I was a big self-celebrator and I was knocked down very quickly. And yeah, by I could go on about that it's for a long time. It's cockiness. It's yeah, you have to. You have to. And that you know what if men can what do it, why you. can't we? Like that yeah. it, that's just yeah, it I understand that. And it is really hard, but, but we have to, like, if we can't celebrate for ourselves, no one else will. And that's going to help push you through those tough times. If you have that self-confidence and you have that self-love, which is, it's hard to learn that if it's been ingrained in you not to. So I think it's such an important point that you not self-celebrating just keeps us in a box that makes it easier for everyone else. Yeah. 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 So now I picked up on something that you were mentioning earlier and you have had a quite a career shift yeah. as you've become or transitioned from number three ballroom dancer to now being a pretty prominent advocate for amputee rights. And a yeah. couple of things that you mentioned when you talked about availability of blades for runners mm-hmm. and, and I think what a lot of people who don't have any knowledge of the amputee community don't understand is what the insurance companies view as standard of care and what they are willing to pay for is very different. One of my best friends is an amputee Mm -hmm. and I have a little bit of understanding from conversations with him and what's available versus what you can actually get as a normal human being that has a normal human being income. Um, (laughs) But in addition to becoming that advocate, you've become a role model in the running community. And that culminated with you running, or I don't know if that culminated, maybe that's the wrong word. Maybe that kicked it off when you ran in April with Shalane Flanagan. Can you talk a little bit about that experience and how that kind of kicked off some of the other things that you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And, and yeah, it's, it is very difficult for runners to get running blades or for amputees to get running blades because the proverbial, they think that amputees don't need to run. We just need a basic walking leg, but the walking leg you physically, I physically could not run even if a car were coming, which is 
know, obvious I was hit in 2019. So you physically cannot run in a walking leg, even if you, even if you tried, even if you were Meb, you couldn't do it. So we've been told and, and insurance does not cover the running leg at all. So it's not that they don't cover some of it. They don't cover any of it because it's considered a luxury to be able to run. And even though the CDC requires or sets a requirement for everyone to be up and moving for 20, 30 minutes a day, mm. saying that you have to stay healthy that way, they still won't cover it. It's really tricky. There are a lot of disability laws that have been in place for a long time in this country. People with disabilities are the largest minority in this country. But a lot of us don't know that because we say things like inclusive of all race and gender, which of course is important always. But if we're leaving out ability, race and gender, then that's just leaving out an entire community. And most of the people that actually don't vote in this country are people with disabilities because we just aren't even mentioned when it comes to the polls. So we like nobody considers what access we have to that. And so, yeah, I, I had no idea, which is why I never come to someone who doesn't know anything about the disability community. I never come at them. Like, how could you not know? Because I was a ballroom dancer who had absolutely no clue about that at all either until I was someone who, who became part of that community. And I think once you learn something, you can't unlearn it. So once I started to have peer visitors in my hospital room and in my life who were amputees, who were showing me the ropes as they and learning about these running blades and becoming a runner myself, and then becoming a mentor to a lot of young women who are amputees now, I learn about a lot and I try and advocate as best I can. The more Shalene and I have been friends, like I said, since 2014, and she's an amazing athlete. She's an incredible human, a very dear, loving friend. And and fierce, fierce woman and in all the best ways. And when I was becoming a runner and she was giving me advice and encouraging me, I was talking to her about the availability for all of this. And so mm. when I really fought for this new division in the Boston Marathon for amputees like me, this new para division, because even the Paralympics doesn't have any distance longer than the 400. Mm. I'm sorry. Now it's the 200. They even got rid of the 400. So they can do a half or anything longer than that. And when I fought for that at the Boston Marathon and got it, I invited her to run by my side as my support runner because I couldn't imagine running with anyone else. She is, I'm going to cry. She's such a supportive runner and she, a lot of people, and I'm sure you, you both agree that, you know, she has done so much for the running community by accomplishing her own goals, right? Like just by being herself, she's helping people accomplish their goals. And then on top Mm -hmm. of that, she released all of her nutritional secrets. Yeah. These cookbooks. She's, oh, this helped me win the TCS New York City Marathon. So I'm going to share it with everyone instead of this helped me win. So I'm going to keep it to myself, which is a way of thinking, I think with a lot of people, especially Mm. when you're competitive, like she is, instead of keeping it to herself, she shared it with everyone. And that just shows her heart and her dedication to so many people. And, and I think that that inspired, I know that inspired me so much in my running and, and her then retiring and, and becoming a coach. I was like, I, I wrote, we had talked about it for a long time. We weren't sure if I, we would be able to have support runners. Then when I found out <gasps> that we could, I wrote her and I said, Hey, I can't imagine crossing that finish line without you. Like that, that's just I just can't imagine. I didn't even ask the BAA. I was just like, I can't imagine. And she said, she said, held like, yes, um, yes, immediately. And and that was it. And I told the BAA that we were running side by side and that they were going to be okay with it. And that was that. Was that. Um, it's incredible. That started that 2022 journey. We were so pumped and still are. It was an unbelievable day of running. Unbelievable buildup as well. The buildup was just so fun. And 
learned so much more about each other and about running and to have the goat literally by my side was. Yeah. yeah. So, so you all talked about it for a long time and then can you, it takes a lot to get to that April, 2022 race healthy. What did the plan entail? Can you talk a little bit about what you all collaborate on, decided to do? Because it's hard work. It is hard work. It is hard work. Emotionally and physically. Yeah. 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 We've we've never run a marathon. Like we said before, we did train for a marathon. We We got to the last week of training and then we caught the flu. Oh, and really bad. Had to bail out of our, our race. Yeah. Oh, that is so tough. And, you know, yeah. that just shows, and anyone who runs, especially marathons, knows anything can happen in training and it, on the day of. And our immune systems are so compromised by the end because we are pushing mm-hmm. our body, excuse me, pushing our yeah. bodies so hard. So, yeah, that's so tough. Okay. I'm sorry. That is, that's a hard setback. It's, we'll get um, it someday. Yeah, we talked about a plan. So, after the initial, the giddy initial text thread of hell effing yes. Hell yes. Can I say that on the podcast? Oh, yes, yeah. you can. Uh, Absolutely. Say whatever you want. And, and, uh, oh my, <laughs> and, and oh my God, I'm not going to sleep tonight. I'm not going to sleep tonight either. Oh, you have to come stay and then we'll train, train with Bowerman. And oh, I like the giddiness was level 20 out of 10. And yes. and then finally we're like, okay, we have to go to bed. And I did not. In fact, she doesn't, I don't know if she knows this, but I can share it now because training is over, race is over, but it was like 11 at night, my time on the East coast. And she's on the West coast in, in Portland, like us, we go. And I was so hyped up like a little kid on, on candy, like all cracked out on candy. And that I just hopped on my dread tread immediately and ran like a PR mile. I don't remember what it was, but I was just like <laughs> racing like a little kid, just so fast on the tread to just exhaust myself because I was so excited. So then the next day or the day after we hopped on zoom, I think it might've been the day after because she had a, she had a track meet the next day with her Bowerman crew and, mm. and we just talked race plans. So we talked about a goal, B goal, C goal for the same reason that you were just saying, Dana, that anything can happen. So, you know, a goal is to get to the start line healthy. Everyone talks about the finish line, but in, if you don't get to that start line in a good place, like that finish line is going to be really tough. That was our A goal. And B goal was to have the most fun. And C goal was to win the whole darn thing. We're both really competitive and we know that about each other. So we knew that not so secretly, neither one of us needed to say that the winning really was the A goal, but it was also to get to the start line healthy. And she asked me to take a blood test so that she knew what was going on in the inside and where I was. And so like, if I needed more, because she's so knowledgeable about nutrition and, mm. um, and what to eat. And I was already living off of all of her recipes in the cookbook. So eating healthy and fueling was never going to be an issue for me. That wasn't a stretch already, but I took a blood test with Inside Tracker, who's now a sponsor of mine. I was a sponsor of hers as well and still is. And I le- learned that I have I was incredibly anemic. So super, Mm. super low iron ferritin levels. So the actual, I was getting really, really winded on runs and like way more so than the average bear. And I could barely run at the time. I I just knew something was different. And so iron is actually, or ferritin was what cover, what gets red blood cells oxygen, which is like how you run. And so I was at a level nine and you're supposed to be at like a 200. Oh my gosh. Like 50 to 200. So I was barely getting by. And so I had infusions and it was, I was really dangerous, like dangerously low. So 
if anyone's feeling foggy or winded, especially if you're a woman, it could be your iron levels. I did not know that. So it was really eye-opening for me. Mm. Um, and Shalane came up in February and we did a half marathon on the course in a track workout and went to dinner with the Bowerman crew. And it was just kicked off this like epic training season. And while that half marathon was on the course on a Saturday or yeah, Saturday with a bunch of other people training and Shalane and I just ran by um, and people were freaking out seeing us. We had just announced that we were going to run together. And it was just the energy that you need for Boston. And even though mm. I was really winded, I knew that we were building something really beautiful and the plan was to get as high in iron as I possibly could before race day, which we knew would be tough. But then we started working more instead of mileage on time on feet. So oh. um, instead of thinking of pace, it was just like, get this body moving because those, that, those red blood cells are struggling right now. We adjusted from first place to podium at that part, which was really humbling, but you can't, you can't just, I could have taken six bottles of liquid iron, but my body can only absorb a little bit at a time. That was really tough, but um, we were still having a blast. And then I went out to Oregon for 10 days Ooh. and stayed with her and trained next environment. And it was just, it was awesome. It was so much fun. It's and hard. That's elevation. Yeah. Yeah. It's elevation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing is that like, she lives in Lake Oswego and like literally out her drive is like, a driveway that she wouldn't like, I'm sure she runs on it. She was just being like kind to me and saying, we'll walk up the driveway and then we'll start running. But Lake Oswego is more hilly than the Boston marathon course. It's hillier than heartbreak. It's hillier than the gap, than the firehouse hill. And so we trained on crazy Hills. Like for instance, a track workout in my mind is a track workout. You run to the track, you do a track workout, you run home as your cool down <laughs> track workout with Shalane and Bowerman is train on or warm up on hills. So 20 minutes straight up hill, which the hills are that long and then speed like hundred as fast as you can up the hill, then 400 as fast as you can, then 100, then 400 and do that a ton. And then you go down to your track workout and then you cool down. Wow. It was intense. Ooh. And I loved every minute of it. And that's every all, second. and that's all at altitude. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, it was intense, but I've, I've been telling you that I had my iron up at that point. And so to feel my lungs, just feel like I was expanding. Like I kept telling her, I feel like I'm breathing from my feet. Like it was just, <laughs> suddenly I was getting all this good breath and obviously all the good nutritious food from her cooking and being able to hang out and just train hard and recover hard. And it was just awesome. And to no, just I was, I was going to ask you now with your iron deficiency, were you tackling that through diet supplementation or a combination of the two? Yeah. yeah. So my sponsor inside tracker gives you dietary notes. So like, instead of pumping you full of supplements and drugs, mm. then they recommend food changes. So I, that's the only reason why I would get sponsored by them. I just don't believe it. And like pumping yourself full of supplements, if you can help it now, mm. that is to say that if you need supplements also, then like to get it, if you live somewhere that like I grew up in Seattle with no vitamin D, like you have to, you know, oh. you have to have, there are certain times when you need supplements. And for me, I used a lot of iron. I learned that even though I was inhaling a ton of spinach, if you have it with cheese, then that means that you aren't inhaling the actual iron from it. So I learned a lot about that sort of thing. Mm. So yes, with food, but then also I took liquid iron just because I needed that. And I had a couple IVs of it as well for my doctor because I needed it that badly. Right. Yeah. So you recommend, they recommend food first, but but yeah, I definitely, it was eye-opening to me because I didn't know that I was low energy. I always considered myself high energy. I didn't know. So uh, 
you have talked about the hills out in Oregon. That was um, pretty close to race day. Yes. Yes, it was. So let's see. I went out there in March. So got back and only had two and a half weeks till marathon. So it was pretty, pretty close. So that was a tough part, I'm assuming, but also a great part of the training cycle. Yeah. I want to say that was the best part. Yeah. He and I talked every day. We'd Zoom or call or text or whatever. She would give me my workout every morning. I like that. Just based on my sleep or how I was feeling or how I did the day before. And so Mm. it was really hands-on. I bugged her a lot, (laughs) but it was still okay. She still, I love that she gave it to you the morning in the morning and not here's the whole, I don't know, 16 weeks. Cause that can be overwhelming. So that's back to your point about what did you talk about on that to come up with a race plan? So she was really, Mm -hmm. she's really big in making sure that her athletes are not only physically ready for tough races and tough competitions, but mentally ready too. She really takes that into consideration. And I love that about her. Mm -hmm. And it's why we work so well together and why I think her athletes are so successful. And so when we talked that first time, I, she said, how's your training been in the past? Obviously we'd always talked to his friends, but like, she wanted to know like really like details, obviously about what I thrived on and what was intimidating to me about some of my training in the past. And I told her that to your point, that whole block of this is everything you're going to be running all at once is just so overwhelming. And I tend to shut down if I'm overwhelmed. And so she really took that into consideration and said, okay, then I'll give it to you the morning of. So I'm not overthinking Mm. it the night before I just go. I did every, I laid my head on the pillow at night and said, I did everything today that I needed to do to show up to that start line healthy, went to bed. And then the next morning it was, okay, let's do this. And then, and then I would do it. And then I wouldn't have to think about anything else. And I really appreciated that. And I I think that's why to your runcation nation, which I love that name. I think that's why working with any coach or working with a coach that works well with you is beneficial because they can really tailor it to what your personality and what you might thrive on. Even to the day, you know, I, that's what I love love the bulk, the bulk layout or the hands-off. We all, we're all very different. Um, Yeah but I really appreciated that. Sometimes she gave it to me the night before, but yeah, mostly it was the morning of, and I really thrived that way. So it was, it was good. But yeah, that Oregon was definitely the best part because, you know, there's something to be said about training with the best. And granted, I was not doing the paces that Bowerman was. We were at the same similar workouts and watching them fly and and having dinners and hangouts before and after and stuff was Mm. just really, really awesome. It elevates you. Yeah, it really does. That quote that's like, hang out with the winners. They just talk differently. Yeah. So true. I mean, that it was like full immersion. It was, we called it my um, altitude camp. Like I was at altitude camp. camp. Yeah. We got to get some of that. Yeah. Our (laughs) maximum altitude in our city where we live is I think 22 feet. It's awesome. I mean, it's Florida. The whole you bring oxygen for that. You got to make sure you're packing oxygen for 22. That's the, the, the only thing we do have an advantage of is the heat and humidity here. If you can yeah, train in that, true. if you have a winter yeah. race somewhere, and we have actually experienced that where we run in a cooler weather race up in Atlanta in December normally. Mm-hmm. We, we tend to thrive in that because we've been used to basically running in soup all summer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, your lungs are going to be, are going to be different. And you know, when you train in a certain level of humidity, it's just like running at altitude, just like if you run in a mask, it's like running at altitude. For Interesting. Sure. So yeah. in turn, like you're sharing, you're sharing all these kinds of little nuggets of wisdom from your training. I, as far as fuel and hydration, what are the biggest things that Shalane hit during your cycle that, yeah. w- that were invaluable to you? 
Yeah. I'm, it, I love talking about all this. I think this is the first time anyone's asked me about these specific training things in Oregon and fuel and all that stuff. So it's fun to talk, fun to relive it. Good. I'm beaming because I'm thinking about how much fun it was for, I learned so much about fuel. So she, when she was competing, she didn't run with Morton gels because they just weren't there yet, or they weren't around yet. Or if they were, she was running with something else. She hadn't tried it yet. So Mm. she ran with Morton during her project eclipse, which was the six majors. And in what was that like seven or eight weeks or something. And she crushed it and she ran with Morton. So she was like, I just, have you tried Morton? And I said, I haven't just by happenstance. And I said, I would, at the time I was making my own gels, my own fuel. So I would take, I just don't do well with a ton of sugar. I wasn't raised on a ton of sugar. I just don't like it. So like any of the regular goos, I just can't, I can't too hard. I don't like the taste. I, some people don't like it and they do it anyway. I don't like it. And I will literally not do it. it. <laughs> and like, I physically can't it's a consistency do it. So thing for it's me. consistency. Oh, yeah. It's ever, and then you run like, for the next 10 miles tasting blueberries, like who wants to be like, I have no interest. Yeah. Birthday cake, whatever. No, thanks. No. Uh, oh no. Gross, gross. <laughs> and also I believe in the mental side of it. I want to look forward to what I'm taking and I want it to feel strong. I want to feel like I'm like, heck yeah. I just fueled that felt good. Like I wanted something that, so I, I made my own out of, I would blend water, oats, um, mm-hmm. maple syrup and peanut butter Nice. And chia seeds, and I would blend it and then put it in a tiny one of those snack size Ziploc and then rip that open and shoot it. Oh. Hmm. So it worked for me, but we tried Morton and they were very kind to send a hefty, a hefty sampling. Nice. And I, I tried it and I loved it. It worked really well. So I also learned that I wasn't fueling enough. So she recommended one Morton gel every every three miles, which I thought sounded like a lot. I was like, my whole bra is going to be packed with Morton like for a long <laughs> run. That's a lot. And because they don't run with pocketed shorts, they don't make pocketed shorts for women. So uh-huh. I just was like shoving them in my sports bra. And I did that. I did it every three miles because when Chilean Flanagan, who's the best, tells you to do it, then you do it without questioning. Yep. And I say that with not because she's bossy, but because because she's not. No. But because she's Chilean freaking Flanagan, right? Yeah. She, she might knows it. You do literally she knows, knows a thing or two. <laughs> right. Right. And so, yeah, I, I tried it. I loved it. I mean, I was fueling when I felt like I needed fuel instead of fueling when I, before I felt like I needed fuel. If you feel like you need water, then you're You're behind. Yeah. That's what I learned to answer your question. I learned that if you feel like you need water, then it's too late. If you feel like you need fuel, then it's too late because that's already your body into reserve and your body then send spending the energy to send you signals that you need something like you want to put that energy toward your running. So no, that's valuable to the training, your eyes ahead yeah. and not down. And yeah, one Morton every, and I did it caffeinated first and I did the gels. They also have hydration where you can pour it in a water bottle. I didn't like the consistency of that, but I encourage people to try it. And For everybody uh, it's different. Yeah. Everybody is different. I yeah. love plain water. I don't like flavored water. It, Morton doesn't have any flavor. It just is gel. It just literally eat it and it's gone. There's no, oh. appetite. there's no yeah. nothing. It turns to a solid in your belly. So it doesn't slosh and, yeah. and that's it. So then you process it like food instead of like gel, even though it goes mm. down like gel. So I'm not yeah. sponsored by them. I just, unless they want to, that'd be amazing. Um, I'm just promoting are you, are you really. Listening? Yes. Listening. Yeah. I love you. Thank you for a great race and training season. I really thrived on it. So I was really happy. I did a caffeinated first and then, and then non-caffeinated all the way through. And then it just happened to luck out that they were the gel sponsor for the marathon. So we didn't need to carry too many. Pack it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which nice. was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. that was my fueling strategy. I did gel, three sips of water, gel, three sips of water. I think it's a, yeah. that's such a valuable thing for the Runcation Nation to remember mm-hmm. whether you're training for an elite event like this or you're training for your 5k, that idea of not trying to work yourself out of a deficit during your run. When it's too late. That's huge. I think that's probably something if you can get that in your head and then practice like you're going to play on race day, oh. you'll probably find race day is going to be a whole lot better. I've experienced better. this. Let me tell you, because do then you have energy to party after. Which is the goal. Are, yes, you should be depleted. You should give the race your all. I'm not trying to sound like you shouldn't, but you like... I had, I gave a 20 minute interview at the finish line. Like I felt great. I felt fueled and hydrated and I didn't get to a deficit. So yeah, if you can not get thirsty or mm. hungry during the race, that is key. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then you spend energy on what is truly important. Yeah. So you had a wonderful experience in the training cycle and diff- different training cycles Like, I feel like the ones that are truly amazing, like you describe, they, they are more amazing because you have had ones in the past that are so challenging. You truly appreciate and embrace that. Was it this like that for you? Absolutely. I'm like shaking my head. Yes. 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 Like, yeah, I've had buildups where it's felt like it's really good and buildups where it felt not so good as I think so many people can relate to. And this one, as I said, in the zone surrounded by the right people and the, um, I'm a big believer that energy is contagious. And if you are surrounding yourself with people who are doubting you or who mm. are being a little so, so about your training or always questioning your decisions of your runs, or if you're around that, and that can sometimes happen in run clubs. Um, Mm -hmm. And people have opinions and everyone's training differently and everyone fuels differently. And that's beautiful. And it should be celebrated that it's different. So if you have people that are really trying to tell you what to do all the time, besides a coach or someone who really, truly cares and wants to see you thrive, um, that's tough. So yeah, I think it's about finding your people and really locking in with them and being pretty selective of who you hang out with. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's really helpful. It makes you appreciate a great buildup when you've had something that didn't quite work out. Yeah, that's, it's definitely, I definitely was so grateful for that. And, and I was really protective of my energy marathon weekend and leading up to so that. So important. So important. Yeah. It's runner's Christmas in Boston. We call it that because it's every single person we feel like is in town and you want to see everyone and you want to go see the speakers and go to the expo and you want to take all the photos and then you're on your feet for so long and you're away from your fridge with your normal food and you're, you're snacking on samples and, Oh, just one beer won't hurt. And you're making different decisions Mm. right before the race. And not only that you're surrounded by like 30,000 other people and their families who are also have nervous energy. Yeah. And sometimes nervous energy can not be good. Shalane and I made a deal mm-hmm. talking about pajamas every day at 3 p.m. Home in pajamas every day at 3 p.m. So I love that. I was home and in a unicorn onesie snacking on superhero muffins and watching friends and really feel good movies every day at 3 p.m. that weekend. Even though it meant not seeing people, it like it gave me the race of my life. So yeah, I, it's really hard not to get overcome and just 
it, it, you it, it caught up in all that re- excitement of the weekend and just yeah. at any race that means so much to you, but especially a race like this to uh, you, the way that you honored your plan you both honored your plan was so important to set you up for success and get to that start line healthy and mentally not exhausted. Emotionally, yeah. you have in the tank what you need. I think that's a good takeaway also for yeah. the Vacation Nation. If you're going to a race event that's a goal race, like a Boston, yeah. there, there are two different ways you can go to that experience. One is if you're running that race to to set a goal or or achieve a goal that you've set for yourself. Maybe it's a time goal or or a distance goal. Maybe indulging in all of the race weekend events, maybe that's not something you should do. Yeah. Or if you're going just for the experience and you don't care so much about time, then yes, you could maybe do more of the race weekend events that that runner's Christmas like you talked about. I think yeah. that's a that's an important it's, distinction. There's two different types of ways to approach a race weekend. Absolutely. And I think that you were really smart in keeping your subconscious, what Jeff Galloway talks about to us, because he's our coach, the monkey brain taking over and going, oh, it's just a few more hours, just a few more. But I think you were so smart. You were both so smart to get to that start line, feeling how you wanted to feel, being rested, being in the right mindset. Now I want brunch. What a great conversation. And, I do. And, want to and, go to brunch now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I cannot wait for everybody to hear the second part of the interview. I know. But, but the fact that we got to talk running, eating, and drinking with her, and she was just right there with the answers. And, and that's just part one. And oh, so much fun. The Ugly Mug Diner. Can you? Uh, I that, have been stalking their the, menu. I know. It looks so good. Can you? Really? The drinks sound good. And there's coffee. There's non-alcoholic. There's they're like the classic mimosa type that you think of when you think of brunch. That is, that is the official drink of brunch. Mimosa or Bloody Mary? Yes. One is your savory oh, okay. option. The other is your sweet. Yes. But then you see... Oh, just uh, okay. Listen, the, uh, there's a Scotch egg breakfast, yeah, Dana. I know. Oh, trust Do me, I know. This? I'm a huge fan of Scotch eggs. Two Scotch eggs with Dijonese toast and home fries. Yeah, see there's that? breakfast poutine. Oh, I'm so loud. <laughs> there's breakfast poutine. Yeah. There's a cowboy breakfast for us Southern folk. Listen. <laughs> They have duck confit running through. And I was going to say the duck confit uh, is so uh, everything about that is just a, a big heaping dose of yes. This ain't I no chicken that. and waffles. Yes, that's it. Yes. The, the it caught my eye when this it this ain't no chicken and waffles. I was like, yeah, it's got to be chicken and waffles. No, no, it's duck it, and waffles. It's duck confit, candied pecans, pecans, mm-hmm. pecans, pecans, pecans. Atop a waffle served with bourbon, maple syrup reduction. <laughs> mm. Yeah. 
Can you just price out the plane ticket now? I know, right? We are going to have a link, of course, to the Ugly Mug Diner (laughs) in the show notes. Talk Um, about the menu. For that option, I am also very interested in something that that she talked about with us that we've heard her talk about on other shows, and that is a recipe right out of Shalane's book, Run Fast, Eat Slow. We're also Mm going to have a link to the book in the show notes, but it's the superhero muffins. Yeah. And actually, I think that they are on the website, for which I have linked to in the show notes. Uh, Like if you see the text about the superhero muffins, if you click on that, it takes you to the recipe. And there are in doing some searching myself, just for those listeners who are Mm plant-based, if you are looking to replicate that, with out there. a plant-based option, there are a couple of other recipes that take everything from that and then just do some substitutions so that you can have a plant-based version of that as well. But these are just gr- would be great for yeah. not just refueling, but fueling along a race as well. Something you can make for yourself. Or having beforehand. Or having beforehand. Yeah. That something you can make yourself and yeah. make a lot of and keep them in the fridge or the freezer and, and you know, take them and go. It looks good. I also love the fact that she brought us, we're in the middle of doing the hydration series. We're exploring some hydration options for everybody. Interesting, isn't it? And this is one I had not heard of prior to talking with her, but you had. Yes. In doing some research, I have looked at their, they have drink mixes. Morton, right? Morton, M-A-U-R-T-E-N. Yeah, even though I'm saying it probably wrong. No, that's how she pronounced it. Right, okay. There are drink mixes there, but the gel is what interests me. There, I mean, uh, and they have bars and things like that, but for the refueling or hydration options, Mm -hmm. this gel that has no, no, when you ingest it, doesn't slosh in your stomach. Yeah, it's designed to not slosh in your stomach when you're running. I think that's so cool. I'd love Ah, to give that a shot. Yeah. And again, none of of these are sponsors. This is purely us bringing you guys the information as something else to consider as an option. Hopefully, we can maybe get some Mortons in for test and evaluation purposes. Oh, I hope so. I'm on it. So we're working towards that, but it's suitable for vegetarians and vegans. Yeah, and uh, and that was I was going to say that's another great option as well. Again, she brought us a wealth of knowledge, and guys, this is just part one. Yeah, I wanted to focus on getting to know her, the the Runcation Nation, getting to know her absolutely, and leading up to that storied weekend so that next week we can focus on the second part of our conversation and race day plus our favorite part of runcations which would be exploring and indulging virtually with her and she had some suggestions for that as well some really great ones they sounded amazing Absolutely. But that's next week. That is going to bring this week's episode to a close. Guys, do us a favor. Um, We know 
that it's the summer and many of you are starting to do your Christmas shopping early. You're also getting some of those back to school things. And now, now that school is starting back in, yeah. in most parts of the country and many of you are ordering from Amazon. If you would just uh, do us a favor and use our new Amazon affiliate link at runeatdrink.net slash Amazon. Just enter that into your web browser, save it. And anytime you're going to be purchasing and having something delivered to your house from those little gray trucks that run around, <laughs> you like that, you can not only save money, you can also support your favorite runcationing podcast. It costs you nothing. Your prices stay exactly the same, but you help us out with every purchase that you make. So that's just runeatdrink.net slash Amazon. And we do thank you all so much. For your support. And thank you for listening to this week's show. Wherever you were, joining us on your long run, your commute to work, around the house. We're just glad you're with us and you're members of the Runcation Nation. I'm your host, Amy. And I'm your co-host, Dana. Stay safe and well, and we will accomplish, explore, and indulge with you really soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We're having another great year thanks to your support. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're at Run, Eat, Drink Podcast. And on Twitter, we're Run, Eat, Drink Pod. You can also give us a call at 941-677-2733 or send us an email at info at runeatdrink.net. Visit our website at runeatdrink.net and click on the subscribe link so you don't miss a minute. Find out how you can support the show at patreon.com slash run, eat, drink podcast. Accomplish, explore, and indulge right along with us. We'll talk to you next time.